Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Dan. Today I have with me Robert. Uh, Robert, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm Robert. <laughs> Robert Morrison, uh, lead animator at Certain Affinity in Austin, Texas. Very cool. So Robert, um, since we uh, work a lot with students and things along those lines, uh, we really like to talk about the start of your career and things along those lines. So uh, starting from just when you first thought you may want to work in games or maybe your beginning love of games or anything along those lines. Can you give us a little bit of a history in, uh, of the start of your career and everything? Yeah, uh, I've actually have, well, the story of my career is actually in two different parts. I've had, I've had two stints in the game industry um, and it, it's quite a long story, but I won't give you the, uh, the full novel about it. Um, I initially started working as a professional animator in 1995. Uh, I went to the Academy of Arts in San Francisco for two years and studied character animation. Um, at the time, we were fortunate to have actual Pixar and ILM animators as the instructors. Um, so I studied there for two years um worked on my on three professional projects while i was still a student um at the academy of arts um first game i worked on was a uh, sega saturn game mm -hmm. and um was hired out of school by a former ilm art director uh, that was one of my instructors at the time and eventually worked in the game industry for six years, um, or for companies like Crystal Dynamics and Maxis and DreamWorks. Um, ended up moving up to become lead animator at Digital Anvil, which was uh, a Microsoft Game Studio at the time. Well, we were purchased by Microsoft Game Studios when I was uh, at the studio. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I started in 95 and worked until 2001, late 2001, mm -hmm. um, when I had the idea that I wanted to try to form my own game studio. So uh, I left Austin, came back to the Bay Area where I'm from, and uh, tried to work on a prototype. Um, at the time, we were using Unreal 2. So I li had licensed the Unreal 2 engine and worked hired some independent uh, contractors to work with me and try to develop a prototype. Didn't work. Um, didn't really know what I was doing at the time. I'm an yeah. animator. I'm, I, I'm not a business person. I didn't really, uh, I didn't plan things out well. Right. So, so that failed shortly after ran out of money after spending a lot of money on that venture. Um, mm -hmm. But I did learn a lot doing that and taking that risk. Uh, yeah. From there, I uh, wanted to work on my music career for a while, so I did that for a number of years. 
Um, and the uh, childhood dream of mine was to become a tattoo artist. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have a real kind of long, crazy story, but um, so got an apprenticeship at a tattoo studio and long story short, uh, worked as a tattooer for a couple of years, but um, animation is my main passion. It's, it's my main love. And yeah. I was really missing doing that. And um, so I decided to pursue it again, uh, even though I had worked as a professional animator for six years, um, I took the mindset that I didn't know anything and that I had never worked in the video game industry before. Mm -hmm. um, so I had been, I had animation mentor. It was on my radar for a number of years prior to this, um, as I had been floating the idea of going to animation mentor while I was still pursuing these other creative dreams. Um, yeah. but I, uh, so I enrolled in animation mentor, um, in 2014 and started at the very beginning. I started with the Maya course, learning Maya. Mm -hmm. um, I had been using Max and Softimage prior to that, so I had not had any experience with Maya. And it had been a number of years since um, I'd been off doing my own thing. Yeah. So uh, I went through the entire animation mentor program, um, ended up taking courses for 20 months, and graduated in late 2015. Um, a month after graduating, I was hired again by a, um, a mocap studio in Los Angeles, House Moves. Mm -hmm. And um, they trained me on the entire mocap pipeline from getting the talent set up, working on set, setting up talent, getting markered up in the, yeah. um, in the suits. And um, through all the various tools and programs used to retarget anim animation mocap data, yeah. Um, to actually animating with mocap data. So uh, I was very fortunate to have that opportunity to learn uh, the mocap pipeline. Yeah. Um, from there, I just continued to move up um, in the industry and went and, uh, at that studio, I was working on Resident Evil 7. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I went on to another studio in LA to uh, work on Injustice 2. Um, and then after that, I was hired at Santa Monica studio, um, and worked on the most recent God of War. Uh, yeah. I was a senior animator there. Uh, so I did a bunch of cinematic, but in game gameplay wise, but cinematic type scenes for, I know exactly um, what you mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I worked on God of War, and uh, as the project was coming to an end, I um, interviewed with the studio I'm currently at, which is Certain Affinity. Mm -hmm. uh, flew out to Austin, and uh, they hired me. So I moved from LA to Austin, and I am currently still at Certain Affinity. Um, I've been here since January of 2018. And um, so now I am a lead animator again. Mm -hmm. um, so when I left the industry in my first time through um, as a lead animator and then worked my way all the way back up. So here I am again as lead animator. 
you weren't kidding. That is quite the story, man. Like you were <laughs> in and out, made your way all the way up to lead and started all over again, literally at school and made your way all the way back up to lead again. That is absolutely a fantastic story. Um, Thank you. So it sounded like you took about 13 years off from 3D animation, right? I think you said from 2001 to 2013, right? Was that right? Or Basically, yeah. 2014 yeah. is when I um, ended up enrolling back in school, early 2014. Okay. okay. Oh, so yes. uh, with that large gap and the fact that you decided, which I really commend you for, to just say, hey, let's pretend I know nothing about this. I'm going to start all over again. During your learning process that second time through, did you find that you were um, – Maybe you felt the curriculum was running slow because uh, um, like I know like almost every school starts off with a, hey, here's a bouncing ball. Let's do that. And then you go with the bouncing ball with the tail and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, when you were in those starting classes and just starting to get back into animating, were you excited at that point when you're working with the bouncing ball and stuff again? Or was it more of a, I want to get through this to get to the chunk of stuff that mm -hmm. I really want? No, I was very excited. Um, just, I, I was extremely passionate while I was going back to school. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's just very exciting to me, and the fact that I was pursuing something that I, um, that I had originally loved to do. Yeah. Um, I was just very excited to do it again, but. The bouncing ball is probably the most important thing that an animator is going to learn yeah. because this, the, the principles of that um, is, is utilized in so many other animations. Just, Absolutely. You know, um, so it would be foolish of me if I did look at um, some of those early foundations uh, that I was studying to not take that very seriously. And I did take it very ser seriously. Um, yeah. I put a great deal of time and effort into my, my school courses. But um, th those particular courses, those early courses are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because that's, you know, that sets the foundation for so many other things that um, are involved in actual animation so yeah absolutely i i when i was started to, to develop the course here at uh, vertex school i i had first started trying to think well, how can i break that mold how can i not do the bouncing ball and the pendulum and the ball with the tail you know like what every school has done since the 90s and i'm sitting there and i'm trying to think about it i'm like it's just so spot on. It's why everybody's doing it, you know, like, and the, the great part about it is depending on the way that you teach it, you don't really know a lot of what you're learning right off of the bat with the bouncing ball. You know, it's like, okay, well it hits the ground. So when it hits the ground, of course, it's going to squash down a little bit. And when it's in the air and it's elongated, yeah, that's the stretching part. So maybe you're just teaching squash and stretch, but what they're really learning also is about overlapping action because the top is overlapping with the bottom and uh, drag, which is causing the elongation and why that's actually squashing and stretching. Um, 
appeal because you want to try and make your first thing actually look like a real bouncing ball and maybe adding a little bit of flavor to it uh, with like a mm -hmm. anticipation before it actually starts to bounce and all that kinds of stuff. There's just so much involved in that little bouncing ball that will have one to three controls on it. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I love it. And every time I'm teaching it, I, I end up reanimating it. So uh, I find ways to have fun with it every single time. I'm like, okay, uh, this time I want to try and have a ping pong ball bouncing off of a bowling ball, or I'm going to try and actually add character to this sphere. So actually making it look scared or in a rush or angry or otherwise. And I absolutely love the bouncing ball. It's, it's one of my favorite things to actually animate one because it's easy and I can do it quickly and see a result quickly, but also because there's, a challenge there when you go, I want to do something with this that's different. I don't want to just make it bounce like a heavy ball and make it bounce like a, a light ball and, and so forth. So I really do enjoy yes. that one. You, you, you're 100% correct. Um, and it even goes further to the point where you look at the bouncing ball as the hips of a character, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so what you're also learning is you're learning your spacing, how to give the um, the illusion of weight in a character um, with gravity and mm -hmm. increasing your spacing as you're coming down. Mm -hmm. um, the the velocity of the ball is, uh, it, it's just indicative of when you're actually working with, say, a bipedal character, for example. Um, all of those principles and things that you learned with the ball, um, you will be doing the same things with your character mm -hmm. uh, if, if you were to think of the hips and the, the character itself uh, as that ball. So yeah, it's very important. Yeah, it, I, I, I sat and I really tried to figure it out, see like, okay, well, can I start off with something else? What can else could I start off with? And it, it just kept coming back to it. Like, no, the ball's pretty great because you learn about so many things and even things you're not thinking about learning. You know, like if you make mm -hmm. the ball roll across the ground, now you're thinking about the friction of the ground. What is the friction of the ground at that time? How fast is the ball moving? Is the friction lighter or greater than the fact of if it's going to roll or not, or if it's going to be sliding, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's just so much that goes into it. And I, I absolutely adore Correct. that assignment. Yeah. Um, and you're learning about physics as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's super important and everyone should that is learning to become an animator should take that uh those take those lessons those early lessons definitely to heart and really pay attention to what um you're doing it's not just oh this is a dumb ball that i'm animating no it's you're learning the things that are going to really carry you as an animator going forward mm -hmm. um so uh you, you talked a lot about the beginning of your career and we've talked a lot about uh, some schooling things and and how you left and came back and all those sorts of things and so having left having made your way all the way up to being a lead and then uh taking a stint away from it to pursue some other careers um which i also find really fun that they're all uh they sound very art related so tattoo artist obviously very art related uh music also very art related so you must have a very very creative mind um <laughs> and then also what i what i find interesting for me is 
I, uh, I started college in the early 2000s, late nineties. Uh, and mm -hmm. at that time I was living in a really small country town. And when I went to school, the whole thing that got me into computer engineering in the very beginning was, uh, video games like that mm -hmm. video games is what brought me to the computer and what made me want to learn computers. And in the long run, for whatever reason, nothing ever clicked. Nobody ever said anything and nothing was ever done. I never really thought of making video games as a career. I don't know why those two things never coincided until years later, but um, I'd be really interested to hear about when your passion for games had started and when you decided that you were gonna go to school to actually make games um, and how early that may have been and um, how you went about trying to figure out exactly what you wanted to do. Because uh, for me, I knew it was games, but I didn't realize the correct path. So I ended up getting into computer engineering, obviously was not very happy with that and working with the government. So I went back to school full time while I was working full time in order to make the animation thing happen. So. I really would love to hear um, if it was your passion for games that drove you that way and how you kind of found out about getting into it. Because in the 90s, I know for me, it, it wasn't even a topic, you know, like, oh, hey, you go to this school to get animation training or this school to get modeling training or otherwise. And these days you hop online real quick and and you find something. And back then, it, the Internet was still almost a new thing. You weren't really searching <laughs> the Internet for much. So. I'd love to I'm hear about feeling, how you did it. I'm feeling really old right now. Um, yeah, I'm not feeling young myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, I've loved games since I was a kid. Um, games were a huge part of my life. I, um, I'll just be real. I had a father that was not probably as good a person towards me as he should have been. Mm -hmm. And uh, games was an escape for me. Um, yeah. To his credit, he did get me all the consoles growing up. And uh, the, the one thing that I really loved the most um, was I had an Apple IIe uh, growing up. Yeah. And I, I absolutely loved that, just diving in and using a hex editor, trying to figure out if I could pack uh, into uh, Ultima 2 and Ultima 3. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, games were fascinating to me. Two things yeah. that were fascinating to me, tattoos and games uh, yeah. growing up. Um, so it, I honestly didn't have the idea in my mind at the time when I was becoming an animator to work on games. Um, I was working at the Academy of Arts in San Francisco, I was I was an employee there. Um, I was working in the a running the AV department at the school, and um, I had been working on audio and music at that time. And I had applied at Skywalker Sound at the Lucasfilm Ranch for a sound mixing position, um, and somehow I got an interview. They uh, they had me come up to the ranch. And just being in that creative environment was so inspiring to me um, that I didn't get the job. I didn't get the job as a sound mixing per person, 
And I still to this day think it's because I wore an actual suit to the interview, which <laughs> which they probably immediately knew this guy has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I really didn't. I had some skills in audio at the time, but at least enough to warrant getting an actual interview there. But mm -hmm. uh, aside from that, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I wore a suit. I didn't get the job. But as I said, the the environment of the ranch and they they gave me a tour and just it was so amazing to be there that I was very inspired that I wanted to try something else to get into work there. Yeah. Um, and that had become 3D. The at the time, because I worked at the school, I was able to take a free class. So at the time, the school was just forming their uh, their 3D program, and they were offering a brand new 3D modeling course or class, just one class. It was their first 3D class. Uh, I enrolled in the class. We were doing some very basic 3D modeling. I believe we were using Alias or Alias Wavefront at the time um, on SGI computers. And um, I just found that thinking in that space and working with that, uh, it came natural to me. I was able to understand it quite well and it was super exciting to me. Yeah. So the school had started to offer other courses and um, I just kept taking classes. They uh, started offering actual animation classes. They recruited all of, as I mentioned at the start, um, animators from Pixar and people from ILM to come in and teach us. Mm -hmm. So I had continued to take courses and found that it, again, it was something that I was super passionate about. Um, I would take the train to San Francisco and then back down the peninsula, um, just reading my 3D books and my 3D manuals for the, for the software mm -hmm. um, on the train. And I was that guy that this is very cliche, but I was the guy that was at the computer lab in the morning and staying until it closed. Yeah. Um, I, I just loved it so much. And because of that, I think I began to excel um, beyond my peers at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had also I had also taken out a loan that I can purchase my own seat of soft homage in my own computer. Um, so I had a, you, you couldn't afford a, a silicon graphics at the time, but right. you could, I had a NEC MIPS risk station, which was able to run soft homage. Um, so I would work at the lab and I would also work at home, just learning and studying and working on my, my school projects. Mm -hmm. um, and what I was studying wasn't animation for games. It was animation for feature films. Mm -hmm. um, but as I mentioned in the intro, um, I had been working on projects while I was still a student. And one of those projects was um, a PlayStation game. So because I was working at a studio, as I was, as I was nearing the end of my graduation, well, the end of my studies. Um, I didn't actually graduate at that time, but I 
was nearing the end of my studies and I was already working um, in the game industry as an animator on an actual PlayStation game uh, while I was still a student. Um, so I just, I just chose to continue to follow the path of video games. Um, yeah. It's something that I love and it would have been awesome to work on feature films as well, but um, it, I, I made the decision to work on games. So that's, it's something that I love. So hope that yeah. wasn't too long, but. No, you're good. No, I like it. Uh, it's so funny that you bring up wearing a suit to your first interview. I did the identical thing when <laughs> I went to my first interview, and it was uh, it was actually a film industry uh, gig, and it was in uh, New York City. So I'm thinking like New York City. We're talking about business people. We're talking about like professionals, and I'm coming from a country town, so. I look at that kind of stuff and I'm like, okay, I need a business suit. I think I actually went and got a suit specifically for <laughs> my new interviewing process. So I went and I actually was working from uh, working with the government at the time. So I was also used to having to be dressed up for work every day. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to this uh, probably billion dollar plus company. I should probably look the part. Did the whole interview. No one said a thing. At one point, I was playing with my tie, and I can remember the person that actually uh, brought me in for the interview, like the main person that contacted me and talked to me and all that kind of stuff. I was sitting there playing with my tie, and he's like, hey, are you, are you a bit warm? And I was like, yeah, I am. And he's like, yeah, you can lose the tie. It's like, oh, great. So I took my tie off <laughs> and I did the top button. And then it was like a lot of video game industry um, interviewing processes. It was a full day. So I went from uh, with one department to another department. And then I guess they were trying to, I guess everybody's got to fill you out because you spend so right. many hours together in a studio. Yeah. So I go through and no one says a single thing. And the guy that actually got me the job or got me the, um, the interview and offer and everything there afterwards, he, as I'm leaving, he comes and he's talking to me. He's like, so, uh, I probably would not wear a suit to your next interview. Uh, and I was like, Okay. And I, I mean, and I didn't even think about it while I was there. Everybody was dressed, you know, like I am now, like you are now. Nobody was dressed in anything more than casual clothing. And the whole time I was there, I didn't put a second thought to it until that moment. And I can remember he's just he kind of just leans in. He's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't wear a suit anymore. So then I like, I went back to uh, my mentors at the time and I'm asking them, like, we didn't say what we should be wearing and what's going on. They're like, very business casual. So if you're going to wear a button up, no tie, you can either have it in your uh, jeans or not in, but not a suit. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that That's hilarious. And uh, same kind of vibe for me. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it at the time we didn't know any better. I did not know any better. And it they know that you don't know what you're quite getting yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I saw I'm part of the interview process at the studio. And if I saw someone come in with the suit, I'd be like, okay, they definitely aren't, they don't know what, what to expect here. Um, they haven't done this before. So it's a mis it's a learning mistake, right? Yeah. It, it's something that you can learn from and also laugh about uh, many oh, yeah. years later, but <laughs> it, yeah. it kind of, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it because it, it ended up just giving me, um, 
finding the actual path that I needed to go down in my life. But yeah, yeah, it's super awkward when you're the only one wearing a suit. But yes, uh, it, for me, it was so interesting because I had no idea even I didn't know what to expect when I went. I had not seen what the inside of a studio had looked like before. Uh, a lot like probably when you arrived at the ranch and what that was like the first time you arrived. So at my first studio that I interviewed at was Blue Sky. So I go in there and they have statues of some of their characters there and um, just the way everybody was working with each other and seeing how everybody had their desks decorated and, and things mm -hmm. along those lines. I, for again, for whatever reason, I'm thinking like New York City business place. I'm just figuring doors probably made out of glass, everybody behind a monitor with suits on, and that's what I just pictured before I arrived. And that quickly there changed uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, and they were the same way. The guy uh, that really got me the interview and did all those sorts of things, he he joked about it and we talked about it uh, a little there uh, ways afterwards. But uh, I think I think that, like you said, they like, yeah, the guy doesn't know. He's never been in the industry before. It's almost mm -hmm. like a like a cute kind of thing, you know, like, oh man, look at this guy. Like he <laughs> he's wearing a suit. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's so, funny. It's so funny you brought that up because I've actually given interviews with uh, young people coming into the industry wearing suits. Uh, oh wow! So, so it's so still a everyone thing. out there. Do not wear a suit <laughs> unless you're in the business dev, uh, legal leadership something like that but if you're going into school you're probably not studying that kind of thing but yeah <laughs> it's that is i i haven't even thought about that that uh that whole thing in a while now wearing the suit uh thank you for that i needed it yes sir uh, <laughs> that's why i'm here so um other aspects of when you first started looking because you had mentioned film i had mentioned film and what really got me into animation to begin with was more um, was more games. And I had offers on my plate with film and with games. And a couple of things directed me to more toward games, which was um, one, I loved games more than I loved film. Uh, I still continue to love games more than I love film. Um, you had also mentioned that it's uh, was an escape for you as a child. Uh, it's been an escape for me from a child to later this evening when I start playing later tonight. So um, it, it, for me, I knew after a few interviews, that's the direction I wanted to go. Like games mm. is where I want to be. And uh, thinking back on the education that I was given at the time, they didn't really have a game arts kind of direction it's at the school it was mm -hmm. off it was absolutely everything was film every single animator that was working there uh same as you ilm pixar and dreamworks and blue sky and all those different places so they kind of at that time were pushing more the film direction they didn't go into how to make loops and all that kind of stuff um so the education felt a little different but what yes. i think the important part was because you mentioned you that you went back to animation mentor and i think when you went uh, in the 2013 2014 area they probably had more stuff on games then at that point um but i know that they are very film centric as well uh generally based um 
when when you're thinking about the education and you go, oh man, I went to a place that was very film oriented, but now I'm feeling like I wanted to get into games. Can you talk a little bit about the learning process there and how you feel about the education that you got in film and that it wasn't directed exactly at games and what that meant then and what that means now to you? Yes, for sure. Um, as you said, when I my first stint at the Academy of Arts, um, games was not even a thought for anyone. Uh, yes, it was all film. It, it was all centered around film. Mm -hmm. um, and Animation Mentor was 2014, 2015. At that time, that was also centered around film and uh, that sort of workflow and uh, working towards, you know, uh, body mechanics and acting and facial animation and the like. Um, I believe it was more recently after I had left the school that they started to offer um, some more game animation focused courses. Um, mm -hmm. I know they do now and that's also other schools online are offering that as well and mm -hmm. offline. Um, yep. So kind of the way I think about it is the main thing to learn is the fundamentals of character animation. Mm -hmm. um, the techniques of working in 3D and those core fundamentals are not going to change depending on if you're going for a, a games or a film um, career path. But the obviously the things that you actually work on day to day are going to be somewhat different. Um, even though I had worked in games, this this second half of my career has mainly been kind of like I am been I have been working on films because mm -hmm. it's all been cinematic. Not all, but the majority of the stuff I've been doing has been basically cinematic um, type work mm -hmm. on games. Um, but I think uh, you have to have a, you have to kind of retrain your mind when you're working on stuff that is gameplay, as opposed to if you take cinematic out of the equation um, and you're working on games, you, which is interesting because you can have a career in video games and go a cinematic route, but you can also go a gameplay animation route. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, I have done both. And I think that's probably, for me, it was um, it was the smart thing to do, to to learn both of those. You don't want to be at a game studio and you have only uh, cinematic experience. The project ends, and then you need to shift to another project, and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do a run cycle, or I don't know how to implement anything into a game engine. Um, yes, you can learn, but you'll be in a much better place if you have an understanding of those different um, those different needs on a project and different there's there are different workflows and different things to understand. But what doesn't change is the the fundamentals of 
how you achieve that work, right? Mm -hmm. um, so no matter what you're doing, you're going to be thinking about that bouncing ball. Yeah. And um, but yes, there's there's lots of different ways to achieve certain things. When you're working as a, a video game animator, um, doing quote gameplay animation, there is, and this is something that a lot of younger animators that they don't understand quite yet is that there is a lot of tedious work involved. There's a lot of things that could be considered mundane and things that are considered to be not very creatively uh, exciting or yeah. fulfilling. And a lot of animators, they're not ready for that. They, they know they love games, they love playing games, uh, they think it's super cool to be working on games, and it is, right? Uh, <laughs> and to be an animator, you know, it's like, oh, I want to be an animator on video games. There's like this rock star status there or whatever. Um, but there's so much involved in creating all the pieces of the puzzle to being, um, being a gameplay animator. Yeah. You have all these parts that you need to be able to create so that the you you have you're fleshing out fleshing out a a full animation set for each character right and um there's so much of that that isn't exciting and creatively rewarding if you are expecting everything you work on to be that way right and i've had animators that they're, they don't quite understand that, and then they get frustrated um, because they're like, oh, well, I want to work on all the exciting stuff all the time. And it's like, well, there's a lot of stuff that is not going to be that exciting that you're going to have to work on. You're going to have to take a run cycle and um, propagate that particular run cycle to work with various different weapons, if mm -hmm. uh, depending on what game you're, you're right. making, of course. Um, you know, you'll have maybe a run cycle with a rifle or a shotgun, a sniper rifle, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so you you have to do a lot of that kind of thing. You have to do do it forwards, do it backwards, go left, go right, dodge, jump. Um, yeah. So there's, and maybe a lot of this is obvious, but those are things that I think it's very important younger animators understand that um, if you want to have a career path as a gameplay animator, there's going to be a lot of stuff. Now, that's not saying that everything you work on is going to be like that because there yeah. are also lots of very creative um, elements to the game, of course. And, uh, you know, I could list those things out, but I've had, well, let me just say as a lead, I have animators that work under me and I am aware that um, I need to keep in mind um, when I'm delegating tasks out to other animators that I, I want them to feel creative and I want them to not just get frustrated with having to do a lot of the mundane, mundane stuff that I have mentioned. Right. And I will, op I will often, take it upon myself um, and some of the animators that have worked under me can confirm this um, I will often take the stuff that's really not very exciting to work on and do it myself 
um, just so that I can give my younger animators more exciting things to work on. Yeah. Um, so just because someone is new and, um, you know, if there's a hierarchy at a company, right? Just because they are at a low, lower level than me, I'm not going to just say, okay, you take all the crap and I'm going to do all the awesome stuff. Right. Um, it, you know, that's part of my job, I think, is to make sure that I kind of spread it out and um, everyone ha gets a chance to do the awesome creative stuff. But we also have to do those stop transition where you go from a run to a, a transitioning a step or two back into an idol. Um, just all these various little pieces that we as gameplay animators have to create. Um, yeah. So I, li I like to make sure that everyone is kind of has 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 a mix of both of those things. Um, yeah. But it's good to understand that the students understand that that yes, you're gonna have to do those things. And when I personally work on these things, um, I hit it with the same enthusiasm as anything else. Um, so I think that's the uh, the mindset that they should definitely have. Yeah, you hit uh, a couple of things in there that I, I, I kind of want to make a little comment on is one is the mundane sections of the work. And that might be different for everybody, you know, so some of it might be going in and fixing foot slip. Maybe that is something that is mundane to somebody, but is exciting to somebody else. I actually like fixing right. the foot slip because I, I like the technical part of that, like the counter animating and working out different aspects along those lines. But um, I think it's important that you think about in the overall stretching idea of what animation is and what you'll be doing in your day to day and how creative it is and everything else. And I'm not trying to make fun of or otherwise any other job, but I imagine uh, being like an accountant or things along those lines is there's not a whole lot of creativity in that at all. And it's every day is a mundane add math together and and, and give those numbers to somebody else and then get more numbers in and keep doing that over and over again. In animation, we at least get the opportunity to, today I'm working on a dragon. This is amazing. I've got this dragon flying in, breathing fire, doing all this fun stuff. And then the next day it's like, oh, hey, uh, we need to have six walk cycles created for this character uh, for different weapons, as you had mentioned, or a different outfit or, or combat mm -hmm. style or something. And while it's like, oh man, I just got to do this big dragon. Why do I have to do this, these walk cycles now? Like that's not as fun. Uh, which also, by the way, I remember when I was very early on, I used to love it. I used to love doing all the walk cycles. Like you want to give me 20 walk cycles? Sweet, man. I'm going to come up with all these different ways of doing these walk cycles. But um, yeah, a lot of people don't get the dragon at their job, you know, like, and, and, trying to find fun in those uh, quote unquote mundane little things like walk cycles and turns and transitional animations and things along those lines um, is trying to find something in it that you can add to it to make it exciting for yourself. Something that get, challenge yourself in some way every time you do it. And I mean, we've probably both have done hundreds of walk cycles at this point. Um, trying to find something in it, you know, like what's the character that I'm doing with this walk cycle? Is it a big burly badass guy or is it a, a little girl that's also a burly badass, but you just don't know that, you know, like how am I going to sell that 
awesomeness of this three foot little girl to be this like axe wielding murderous monster or something, you know, like uh, and yeah. trying to trying to find the fun somewhere, even in a turn. How can I make that fun? You know, how can I make just a little turn have something in it that says fun? Um, and yes, I think that's important. Trying to also. For me, when I do the things that I find mundane, which a lot of the times is going to be curve editing and things along those lines, um, I try and think of things that I enjoy about it and how much is it improving my animation to just take this one curve, break the tangent and make it so it, it comes in quickly, you know, like a bouncing ball. Finding the joy out of that is just the reward of how much did that little tiny stupid tangent in a, 120 frames of a hundred different controls on a hundred different channels of what that of everything that I'm animating. I'm looking at this one one thousandth of a one thousandth piece, but look at it did to my animation just changing that curve for a second. You know, that's when I try and find the fun and find the enjoyment and find the reward out of doing those little tasks that you had mentioned. Um, and those tasks like that are in everything. You think about modeling and you're like, oh, wow, they're working with this program called ZBrush and they've got this beautiful clay thing that they've created. And it's it, like, they're just, just doing what they love all day, but they didn't walk <laughs> by on the next day when they're unwrapping UVs and they're trying to get textures to show up properly and they're not showing up properly and all that kind of stuff. So. I, I did want to point out that there's always going to be, it's still a job. There's always something that's going to be a little bit more mundane and otherwise. Um, and it's awesome also to hear that you are uh, the type of lead that will absorb some of those more mundane tasks and at least spread them amongst your, your crew uh, versus being like, Hey, this is our star. He gets any shot that he wants in the entire thing. He doesn't, he doesn't touch walk cycles. That's not his gig. Cause um, I think I think what you what could actually really benefit from that is having that star doing something like that. Now they've just made a, a, a quote unquote 10 out of 10 animation for one of the characters walks. Now everybody else has got to step it up and make it look, you know, <laughs> as good as that when they make their walk cycles and things. So I think mm -hmm. it's it's important to have uh, those stars everywhere in the game anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, you're 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 absolutely correct. Um, and I do agree with all of that. It's, you know, what is mundane and what isn't is going to be relative and depends on everyone's perspective. Um, for me, just the fact that I get to work every day uh, as an animator is freaking awesome. Yeah. So I don't really care what I have to do. Just I'm like, yeah, I get to work as an animator. What? Really? This is yeah. great. So yes there there's an understanding of uh kind of like here's a set of things that are kind of universally understood to be not the most glamorous Exciting. stuff yeah, yeah. But, but sure there i mean i love working in the graph editor and in uh moving you know f curves around i love that mm -hmm. um and it's interesting that what you said because i have brought this up before with other animators and some of them will be like, yeah, I like doing the, that kind of stuff. And then other animators, they're like, Ugh, I hate it. So yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a gamut there. Yeah, for um, sure. A full spectrum of what people will or won't 
consider uh, to be not the most exciting things to work on. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's good because I, I also want people, like I understand what my animators strengths and weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really make sense to always give someone what they're strongest at. Right. Because, you know, you want people to continue to learn and grow. And if I was to give someone that's strong at, let's say, a run cycle, um, let someone who's weak at that, give that person something else and let someone who's weak at that get a shot to do it, then, you know, that's just benefiting the team, hopefully. At the very least, they're going to get some more experience to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and an opportunity to maybe get some good feedback, even though it may not even get in the game or it may look like total crap. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the point. The point is they they learned something, they gave it a shot, and um, it just helps inform the team as well. Um, you know, yes, it's nice to also find those opportunities where um, we can give people learning opportunities. Yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, we also, we're working with the budget. We're working under production uh, deadlines and, and it's not, when you're on a professional project, it's not a school. As much as right. I, we want to continue to grow and learn, um, it's not a school where we can just say, hey, we're just going to learn something today. No, we need to get assets created. Yeah. And um, sometimes, you know, as much as I would like to always have someone learning something new, sometimes, yeah, you just have to take the guy that's really good at something and let them run with that. So yeah. you can get, get stuff done. Um, and the other animators will see it and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what this person did. I understand. So when I get my chance to do something of that nature, then, um, you know, maybe I'll look at this person's, what this person did and, and not emulate it per se, not copy it, um, mm -hmm. but see what works, see what doesn't work. And I think that is a smart thing for um, an animator to do. I don't, we were having this discussion um, on Twitch, uh, what was it, yesterday or the other day, um, one of the, people that was on my Twitch um, was asking me if I look at other animations and other games. And my first thought was, I don't look at it from the sense of taking ideas from their creativity per se. Mm -hmm. um, I do look at other animators work for sure, because I wanna see what things I can learn. A, it's it's exciting to see. B, what can I learn from it? Um, and perhaps there's things that can inspire other ideas. But um, I don't personally look at other animations for like creative ideas. Like, let me do that. What they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's not not really what I, I would do. But um, you know, you could say, okay, yes, this works. That looks cool. What can I do that's different? Um, but what I do do is I look at a lot of it for 
the functionality of it. How are these particular animations working together to create a cohesive character yeah. that, um, you know, you take something like The Last of Us 2, which I absolutely love, um, or um, Ghost of Tsushima, which I also love, or even God of War, um, the one I worked on, which in my opinion has just the most epic melee combat that I've seen so far. And yes, there's other games out there that are you anyone could say, I like this better, I like that better. Right. Um, but you know, it's like it's mind blowing to look at those things and just try to understand how did they do this? How do they take all these pieces and put it together and yeah. make it freaking awesome? So, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, so I like to look at those kind of things, but you know, we're all influenced by each other. So, um, there's nothing wrong with looking at what your peers or your competition is doing. You should absolutely do that. But, um, yeah, so kind of went off on a tangent there, but no, you're good. <laughs> you're good. I like it. Yeah. I, um, it's funny cause I still find myself every time I play a game and I'm, and the animation intrigues me or I'm finding issue with the animation as I like to try and figure out, well, it's not an ugly art style. It's not, it doesn't look like they were unskilled animators, but what is it that is bothering me about the animation? I like trying to figure that kind of stuff out because then I go, oh, I see what it is. It's the fact that when he's running, when he's going side to side, it doesn't feel like the weight is shifting properly and it doesn't feel quite right. I like finding that because then it helps me. Okay, I'm getting ready to do a run and I know we have to do like this really wide-legged kind of run. Um, thinking about like the earlier um, Assassin's Creed games, I can remember their runs had a very wide stance because I think they had to constantly think about where's that foot gonna get placed if it's gonna jump off of a wall? Is it gonna start climbing? What is that mm. leg gonna do? But I can just mm. remember this little bit wider leg stance in the earlier games. And for me, I uh, I like to try and look for that stuff so that I can go, okay, I gotta make a wide run. What wasn't working in what I've seen before? So that way I'm not wasting a couple of days of blocking this thing out and then going, oh man, it, it doesn't look right. What's wrong with it? And then I figure out, oh, hey, look, I just made the same mistake as I watched this other guy make. Um, I do also, I do look for for a little bit of inspiration on the tech side. So a large part of what people don't realize in the video game industry also is at some level, you're going to be dealing with some kind of tech. Like you had mentioned earlier, forward run, backward run, left run, forward, like all the different directions. And then maybe there's going to be even more directions. Maybe instead of being four different directions, it's eight. Maybe instead of eight, it's 16, so on and so forth, as big as that animation pocket could possibly get. Um, but the technical parts are like those transitions. Okay, well, I'm running and then I need to come to a stop. But our run cycle starts with the right leg and this they're in the middle of this run and their left leg is actually the one forward. How do we get that stop to work? Uh, so I find myself these days when I really find an animation set that feels really fluid. Um, I actually just picked this game up yesterday and I've been really enjoying watching uh, some of the main characters animation is um, Jedi Fallen, was it Jedi Fallen Order or is it Star Wars Fallen Jedi? I don't remember the latest Star <laughs> Wars game that had come out. Um, 
I just picked that up and I started watching it, uh, how the animations transition from one to the next, and it just felt really smooth. And I was trying to figure out how did they make it so smooth and how does it seem to work from one to the next? I, I really enjoy thinking of the technical side because then it gives me an idea for my next animation of, okay, well, they, maybe they did something like this and then it, try, it then I end up coming up with an idea uh, based kind of around that. Like, okay, well, they might actually have split up each run cycle into four different sections. Maybe they have every stop with a different start to it. So maybe they have three different run stops or something along those lines. And I just like mm -hmm. thinking through that stuff. Um, just thinking about that stuff is how you get in seats like yours and how you get into seats like uh, director positions and things along those lines is being able to start figuring out how all of those pieces go together more than just making really good animation. I know animators that are way above and beyond my talent set, uh, but they they um, never made it to senior level. They never made it to uh, lead level because they just like to sit and animate and they don't want to try and figure out how the pieces go together. They don't want to talk to the programmers and the, the rigging artists and things along those lines. They just want to create keys and that makes them happy and that's cool. They can keep doing that for as long as they want. Um, I just really love to see how all those little pieces put together ultimately make the animation look better because without that stuff, our animation looks really bad without blending properly, without having these transitional animations. And even though they are not as fun the, the run stops and the run starts. It's what people watch 90 some odd percent of the time while they're playing a game. In God of War, some of the, like you had mentioned, some of the biggest, greatest uh, action sequences and fighting uh, and gameplay. But when you're going from that fight to the next fight, guess what you're gonna be doing? You're gonna be running the whole way there to get there. <laughs> so let's, giving those parts and seeing those parts and seeing how well you can make those parts and realizing how important those, those, those uh, quote unquote more mundane uh, parts are and how they all piece together. That's what I really, really enjoy because it's what I re remember seeing the most when I think about a game, I think about running, you know, cause you're doing it so much in every game. Um, I actually had a little bit of a, a complaint about the latest star Wars game I played. And that was, how large the base was and every time I needed to do something it was like a minute walk to get from one side to the next side but at the same time like well the environment's gorgeous the animations are gorgeous it's just a matter of it won't let me run and it's it just takes time every time but uh, I'm seeing it so much that it, uh, it's important to realize that those little those little transitional animations that you might get and things like that might be the most seen animation in your entire game no matter how little and insignificant it seems it's could possibly be the most seen animation in the game so um, yeah and those those systems are extremely complex um you know i i think that game developers um animators and engineers and designers we likely analyze these things a lot more than um, what the average gamer is going to care about. Right. Um, because, you know, a lot of us are perfectionists and we, we obviously, any, any professional worth their salt wants to make the best product that they can. Um, but gamers are surprisingly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Forgiving 
in those things that we will work really hard to make the things that we are you and I were just talking about mm -hmm. uh, the things that we really work hard to make flu feel fluid and um, as close as we can to you know how a, a real character may be in uh, mm -hmm. behaving in the real world but um, I, I do find that gamers are a lot more forgiving than us what they are concerned about is is it fun right is there a cool story? Maybe it's game with a story, maybe not. Um, but you, you know, you can. There's so many games out there that are huge sellers that um, there's still some real wonky <laughs> transitions going on in in the characters. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's super. There's a lot of systems that are being developed right now. Um, you probably see them all the time. Most various types of motion matching systems and whatnot. Um, and I think that's great. But I think we also, those are things that we also, on the games that I work on, we want to address those things and make those things look as good as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at the end of the day, the gamers are, they feel it, if it feels acceptable and yeah. when it, when it's off, they will feel that something's not quite right. But uh, if they're having fun, they probably don't care too much. Um, right. I was looking at um, I was looking at Days Gone as an example of a game where that I was playing, and I really liked how the character um, his stop transitions felt pretty good when you're the character's responsive when you play him. Um, he's a cool character, the main character. Uh, Deegan, I think his name is, something like that. It's been a few months since I played, so forgive me, uh, Days Gone people. But um, I really liked the way that the character would transition from his uh, forward or backward locomotion to his idle. Um, so that's something I was looking at and trying to kind of study yeah. how they did that. But even the best games, you look at it, you you face the camera down um, towards the feet of the character, and and you you know you you play with the character back forward whatever, and um, that's something I always study in every game I look at, and you'll find that as you've probably seen often, um, most games it's not even close to perfect. There's always oh, yeah. going to be some weird step that's going on, um, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, I don't think we even like. I'm sure when people are specking out next gen games to pitch to publishers, they're like, "We're gonna have the most perfect locomotion matching, uh, motion matching thing you've ever seen. It's gonna be awesome." And yeah. it's like, "Yeah, that's cool, but uh, you know, the gamer is not gonna really care about that so much." Um, right. And that's interesting what you said earlier too. Is like. I can literally not play a game without going through and just overanalyzing everything. I stop yeah. at every character, no matter if it's a completely insignificant character, um, and I'll sit there and I'll watch, what are they doing? Let me watch the uh, their idols, their gestures, all those things. Um, it's like the person that you go to the movies with and they're always talking about, like us animators, 
we're the same way. We cannot physically go to a movie and watch an animated movie and not like comment on what's going on, right? The animation. I'm sure it's like whatever discipline something is working in, they're probably the same thing. Like the lighting guys are looking mm -hmm. at the lighting, you know, et cetera. Um, but I, I, I cannot play a game without just stopping and, and overanalyzing everything. Um, and I have to sometimes stop myself. Like when I first started uh, playing The Last of Us 2, that's exactly what I was doing. I was going in and looking all at the NPC characters and watching how they would idle and like loop between their idols and the things they're doing. And a lot of it looked kind of ridiculous. Um, right. And then, but I realized that, you know what, almost every game, those, uh, those moments when the NPCs are in a group, just blah, 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 blah. And you're supposed to just, as the player, just keep going, right. you know? Yeah. Right. They don't, they don't, the normal person's not going to sit there and like an animator and just like analyze it. Um, and, but you know, almost every game, it just, it's ridiculous. Cause you can't, you know, they're not really alive. You can't have a thousand animations um, playing on each character to yeah. keep that going. Um, but yeah, I, I find that hilarious. And I have to literally stop myself and just be like, Robert, just play the game, enjoy the game for what it is. Yeah. Um, take the game developer hat off for a moment and just play the freaking game. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, um, the, the bringing up the not being able to play a game or watch a film without making comments and stuff, I can't imagine being my wife going to the movie theater with me or plugging a movie in downstairs. I can imagine being her seat because I imagine trying to be interested in something and watching and then all of a sudden like, did you see that foot slip? That, <laughs> that car floated on its way by. It wasn't even touching the ground. You know, like all just <laughs> yeah. the weird little things that we see and pick up because we're looking for them. And then we, it's like in our head, we're like, we have to say it. I have to say something about that, you know? And it's, that is absolutely hilarious. But one of the other things, a couple of the things that you had mentioned that are really important is a lot of gamers are very forgiving if it's fun, which then takes you back to something that, uh, I've heard said time and time and time again, every studio I've been to pretty much is gameplay is king. You know, without gameplay, yeah. that's fun. It doesn't matter what animations we make. We can make the most beautiful thing on earth, but if the gameplay is not good, no one's going to buy it and it's not going to be enjoyable and we'll know it as we're releasing it, if it's going to be fun or not. So, so uh, gameplay is always king. And sometimes that yeah. will stomp on certain aspects of what a game is. Uh, one of the biggest ones that is an issue in every game that I worked on is jumps. Like you can't have all of that great anticipation down and all of these huge moves in order to jump up. Um, and you might jump an awful lot in your game, but guess what? You might get two frames to show that they're down and then that's it. You have to be in your, you have to be in your jump loop, you know? So um, that kind of stuff is, is important to realize that gameplay is king and, also with that, and while we do have some remarkable uh, games out that are absolutely gorgeous and spent billions or millions or however many dollars on each of these titles, look at other titles that are remarkably su successful where the art is not what I would call great. You know, um, Minecraft 
everything is made out of square boxes. Every character, every leaf, every everything in that game is a box. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most well-known and most um, profitable games ever. You know, mm-hmm. it's made out of boxes. Animation really wasn't a whole lot in there. The modeling, obviously, no modeling. Um, and it's important to realize that gameplay is always going to be king, and people are going to be a lot more forgiving looking at your work than you think they're going to be. Because everybody that you talk to while you're in a studio, everybody you talk to while you're at school, they're looking for perfection. They're looking for, hey, let's get rid of this foot slip. Let's get rid of this. Let's do this. Uh, between key 32 and 34, their elbow moved a little bit too fast. So let's let's tone that down. And you're going to have critique sessions like that, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. And then come to re- then you go and you watch people playing the game and they're complaining about the fact that uh, the water bottle that they walk by falls off the table when you didn't even touch the table, you know? Like, oh, why'd that just happen? Like, okay, they didn't mention the fact that while that water bottle fell off the ground, it, uh, a guy in the background was walking upside down, you know? Like, it's... <laughs> it's uh, it's it's really interesting because, uh, as you had mentioned, a lot of us are perfectionists, and that is an issue I have a lot with, uh, with which is I think one reason why I love working on things like foot slip and trying to work on those technical things because it's it's very uh, yes or no kind of stuff. Is it slipping? Yes. Okay, I can fix that, you know. But when you start talking about perfection in like a weight shift, it's like okay, everyone weight shifts a little different. So what's perfect? And then you could sit there and work on that weight shift until you're 90 years old and going, one of these days I'm going to fix this weight shift because you can (laughs) polish something forever. And at some point there's got to be either within yourself or within your bosses a, hey, it's good. Let's get it out the door. And I think that's important, especially as students. Um, So that when you're doing the bouncing ball, spend the time that you need to make it look good but don't spend 80 hours working on the same bounce because you feel like it, when it moves from this frame to this frame, it could be a little faster when it goes from here to here, because you will drive yourself insane uh, over the next course of your entire program. Once you start getting into this really more intricate uh, animations and things along those lines. Um, We're doing a really great job of chatting. (laughs) So we've actually been at this for quite some time. Um, And uh, unless you have something that you would like to bring up or something you'd like to tell students or just anybody in the industry, um, I think uh, I think we're going to call it from here. But unless you have uh, another topic or something that you'd like to talk about. Um, I think we've covered a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, the the one thing that I like people to take from my my journey and my story is that. Um, my entire adult life, I have pursued my dreams and I have, I have failed a lot pursuing those dreams, but I have, and I've beaten myself up a lot about it in the past. Um, but one thing I've learned is that you have to take your failures and your successes as it's part of the process mm-hmm. and um, not to beat yourself up too much about it and just look at it as every failure is a learning experience. You're not going to hit every animation um, all the time. Even those of us that have been doing it a long time, working on major stuff, um, 
we still every day have those challenges where it's like this isn't working i need to scrap it redo it start over um, and it's good for students to understand that that is part of the process mm-hmm. that you're you're gonna ha- you're gonna fail and you all you can do is just say okay what have i learned from this um, what can i do next time that's gonna uh, yield better results mm-hmm. so um, you know i encourage people it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter what you look like look at me right <laughs> um, Follow your dreams, you know. If you want to become an animator, game animator, film animator, whatever it may be, um, and you you may start working on games and realize, ah, this isn't for me. Let me try something else. Doesn't matter. What matters is you try your best and follow those dreams, um, and you can make it happen. So yep. a lot of people they they're afraid of. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. Well, it, you can do it if you put the time and effort to study and to practice and to learn. Um, I have people say, well, how do you do this stuff? Uh, I'll never be at your level. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, I'm never going to be at this person or that person or this person's level. You know, it's yeah. we, we often compete with each other. Um, we'll look at other people and say, this person's doing this. Uh, how do they do it? I can't do it. I'm not that good. Um, I'm not that talented and we're all different. So, you know, that's why we work on a team because people are going to have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, but you have to just understand as a student that if you put in the work and you make a solid, strong effort, even though you're going to fail and mess up. You keep going and you can achieve your dream of being a gameplay animator, whatever it may be. Um, And, you know, the reality of life is not every single individual is probably going to make it, Mm -hmm. but every single individual has the chance and opportunity to make Mm it. Um, it, It's up to them. They, they, only they can make it happen and people are going to help you and, you know, um, I don't get where I get on my own. I've had a lot of help from others, like everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they if they are passionate, they can do it. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. That was that was awesome. I appreciate that. That. Uh, it is really important to remember all that kind of stuff, and, and, and thank you so much. And I appreciate you. you taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to meet with me and uh, to to give all your words of wisdom and your uh, career experience to all of my students. I, I very, very greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. Likewise. Uh, I'm very thankful for uh, thinking of me and allowing me to share a little of my story and journey. Oh, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Robert. It was good seeing you. And um, you too. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com 
To learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.